You're listening to The Simple Truth with Pastor Dion Cordova of Truth Ministries Calvary Chapel. People were getting abused and Jesus, he was upset about it, angry for these people being manipulated and victimized. So Jesus there on that Monday, he denounced the religious leaders and he said he's chased them out and he denounced the religious leaders and said, my father's house is supposed to be for prayer teaching and people who are reaching out to him. But you have made it a den of thieves. All throughout the Bible, you can read passages about taking care of those who are weak or marginalized, like orphans or widows. As you'll hear in today's message, Pastor Dion describes Jesus' outrage over the abuse perpetrated by the religious leaders in the temple. The very people who should have been lovingly caring for those coming to the temple were literally robbing them for their own gain. Pastor Dion teaches that God judges those who abuse or take advantage of others. Now here's Pastor Dion in the book of Luke, chapter 20, with today's edition of The Simple Truth. Well, chapter 20, you're going to notice there's a point in it that we're going to be talking about exegesis. Everybody say that word. Isn't that difficult to say? Here's what it means. It means Bible interpretation. See, one of the things that I want you to know is not only do I want you to reflect Christ, but the only way you can really reflect Christ from learning God's Word is that you learn God's Word that you're able to understand it and comprehend it, that you're able to understand in order to be like Christ, well, how was Christ, right? And so we're going to be looking at some context, and it's going to throw you for a loop, but we're going to have some fun with it this morning. So, um, like I said, Luke chapter 20, the last week of Jesus' life, because that's where we've been, the last week of Jesus' life was action-packed. Everybody say that out loud. It was what? Action-packed. I mean, Jesus' life, that last week, is action-packed. Did you know there's six chapters that cover one week of Jesus' life? And all the rest are basically three and a half years. So it's, it's action-packed. Every detail of this last week of Jesus' life is important. In fact, on Sunday, in the last week of Jesus' life, Jesus, the Messiah, entered Jerusalem on the exact day and in the exact way that the Old Testament prophets predicted He would. It's an event known as the Triumphal Entry or Palm Sunday. And we found out that at the same time that Jesus was riding in on that donkey colt into the eastern gate, the high priest around the corner was bringing in the Passover, the official Passover lamb, into the sheep's gate. But God, on that same day, around the corner, through the eastern gate, was presenting His Messiah, the Lamb of God, who will take away the sins of the world. Isn't that awesome, guys? It was just awesome. All right, so that happened on Sunday. Then on Monday of Jesus last week, Jesus entered and cleared the temple. Everybody say, cleared the temple. Jesus entered and cleared the temple. He chased out Annas and Caiaphas, who were the high priests. He chased out their bazaar and money racket that was going on. 
Annas and Caiaphas were selling spots in the temple for vendors. They were there with their wares, with their memorabilia, with their food, and you could buy, you know, waffle cones and cotton candy, selling booths there in the temple, a place that should have been for prayer, a place that people would come to seek God. He had sold booths, and then in the court of the Gentiles, he was selling lambs. And here's what he was doing it. He was selling lambs from his own flock. And he had instructed the priests that when people brought lambs or doves from their own house to sacrifice, to reject them for whatever reasons and point them to his lambs in the court of the Gentiles. And those priests would get kickbacks from him for pointing them out and having them buy another lamb. And so they would go over there to buy another lamb. People, you know, innocent people who their sacrifice God rejected had traveled to come and give an offering to the Lord and to honor God with a sacrifice. Their lamb is rejected, so they need to buy another one. So they go over there and they say, how much? And it's outrageous because, you know, Annas and Caiaphas are making money. And so they take their money out and they say, oh, we only take temple money here. You're going to have to go and exchange it over there to that guy. Those guys were there and they were also getting kickbacks or giving kickbacks to Annas for allowing them to be there. And so they would go and exchange money for a high interest and they would exchange their money and guys, people were getting fleeced. Everybody said out loud, they're getting what? Fleeced. Well, guys, Jesus was angry and hostile towards this religious system that was manipulating and victimizing people. And I want you to know, Jesus just can't stand for his people to be abused. Everybody say, That's exactly how Jesus handled the situation. Do it again. Look at your neighbor when you do it. People were getting abused and Jesus, he was upset about it, angry for these people being manipulated and victimized. So Jesus there on that Monday, he denounced the religious leaders and he said, he chased them out and he denounced the religious leaders and said, my father's house is supposed to be for prayer, teaching, and people who are reaching out to him. But you have made it a den of thieves. Jesus indicted the religious leaders and said, you guys have hijacked my father's house for your personal gain. He said, you thieves, say it out loud. You thieves, say it again. You thieves. Yeah, isn't that awesome? Now that evening on Monday, Annas and Caiaphas, the religious leaders who lost their money, their blood was boiling. And so they... Plot their revenge. Everybody say, ooh. They scheme to set a trap to catch Jesus in heretical teaching. Okay, so Jesus wants to come and bite into our prophets. We are going to put him down. They vow to take Jesus out. Everybody said to take him what? Out. To have Jesus stoned. So early the next morning on Tuesday, the temple has been cleared and Jesus is teaching the hurting and the seeking who couldn't get in before. 
He is now in there teaching them in the early morning in the court of the Gentiles. And that's when Annas and Caiaphas sent out temple investigators to ask Jesus, who gave you authority to do what you're doing? They've set the trap. So now they're saying, we're ready to catch Jesus. We want to get him stoned. So they send out the temple investigators and they ask Jesus, who gave you the authority to do what you're doing? To be doing this teaching? In other words, where are your credentials? Everybody say the word what? Credentials. Without proper credentials, Jesus would be considered a false teacher and would be stoned to death. And so here's how Jesus answered. They think they got Jesus in a trap. Where are your credentials? Because they know he, doesn't have, he hasn't studied under some rabbi. He didn't go to their seminaries. So what is he going to say? And Jesus answers this. He said, I'll ask you guys a question. John the Baptist. He says, basically, I got my credentials, Jesus says, the same place John the Baptist got his. Was John the Baptist of God or of man? Everybody say, oh. Yeah, that's what the religious leader said that day. The temple investigators were stuck. You see, if they say John the Baptist was from men, everybody in the temple will stone them where they stand. If they say that John was from God, then Jesus will ask them, why didn't you believe what John said about me? He said, I was the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. So you know what they did? They pled the fifth. Everybody said they did what? They pled the fifth. Well, when plan A doesn't work, Ananias and Caiaphas, Annas and Caiaphas, the high priest, go to plan B. All right, that didn't work. Let's go to plan B. Annas and Caiaphas send out undercover operatives wearing a wire to try to get Jesus to incriminate himself with a catch-22 question. Here's the question. Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not, Jesus? Speak into the mic, please. Huh? It's a catch-22 question. See, if Jesus answers yes, it's lawful to pay the poll tax, then they will stone him for idolatry. Because the poll tax, paying the tax, was like offering a sacrifice to Caesar. It was to say that you belong to Caesar. And so, when the Pharisees with these religious leaders ask this question, they're ready. So, if Jesus says yes, he's going to be stoned. If Jesus answers no, the Jews have the Romans on speed dial, and they're going to call Pilate and say, hey, listen, we've got a traitor over here that says it's not lawful to pay taxes, and he is starting a revolt, and you're going to have to deal with him, and the Romans will put him to death. So Jesus answers this way. Jesus answered, show me a coin. Show me one of the coins for the Daenerys, for poll tax. They give him one, and then he says, render unto Caesar what is Caesar's. 
and render unto God what is God's. Convicting Jesus is harder than nailing jello to the wall. So Annas and Caiaphas resort, this is plan C already, but they resort to their homeboys. Everybody say their homeboys. This are who their homeboys are. Who are they? The Sadducees. Say it out loud. The what? Sadducees. The Sadducees were another religious group in Jerusalem. But unlike the Pharisees, the Sadducees didn't believe in the Holy Spirit. They didn't believe in angels. And they didn't believe in heaven. Everybody said they didn't believe the last one in what? Heaven. They did not believe in the afterlife. The Sadducees didn't. According to the Sadducees, Moses didn't acknowledge or teach heaven or the afterlife. Moses never talked about it in the first five books of the law. That's what they said. In fact, every time Moses talked about death, it seemed he spoke of only the grave. Moses would write things like, they will rest with their fathers. They went to rest with their fathers. It always sounds like it's just the grave. So the Sadducees believed, therefore, if Moses didn't talk about it, there must not be heaven or afterlife. Everybody say, huh. In fact, one of the best arguments for the Sadducees against heaven and the afterlife was to use something called the leverate marriage. Everybody say it out loud. The what? Leverate marriage. What is that? Look at your neighbor and say, what in the world is that? Well, I'm glad you asked. Aren't you glad you come to church? You get to figure out what these things are when you read them in the Bible. All right, so the Sadducees had this thing where they said, hey, we don't believe in the afterlife. We don't believe in heaven simply because they have this argument that they always brought up in the debate called the leverate marriage. Leverate means husband's brother. In the Old Testament, God prescribed a law to secure a family's name and inheritance. It's found in Deuteronomy chapter 25 and verse 5, and this is what it says. If a man's brother dies without a son, his widow must not marry outside the family. Instead, her husband's brother must marry her and sleep with her. The first son she bears to him shall be counted as the son of the dead brother so that his name will not be forgotten. Do you guys got it? Doesn't that sound weird? Oh, brother. Huh? <laughs> I know it sounds weird, but God had a reason for this. First off, it was to take care of the widow. Because women had little power. Without an heir, a widow would lose her home and her property. She would be destitute, homeless. The second reason is so that land would stay out of the hands of land grabbers the land was each family's inheritance from God. From the time that they came into the land, the land was divided up into the tribes. Each family got a lot of land in their tribe's general area or district. Every person, every family got a lot of land. A lot, not a lot, but a lot 
of land, and it was their inheritance. And it needed to be protected and stay within the family. And so the reason for this is so that the land would also stay inside the family. Because there were land grabbers who were out to purchase land as much as they could. And God didn't want land grabbers hoarding and monopolizing the land. You guys got it? So God had it all figured out and that's the reason He did this. Now, the Sadducees produced a far-fetched hypothetical in relation to the liberate marriage just to prove how ridiculous it is to believe in life after death. So now we know what the liberate marriage is and the Sadducees are going to come and bring this debate that nobody has been able to win for decades. Nobody's been able to win it. They're going to bring this argument to Jesus because they want a reason to put him down. Here we go. Then some of the Sadducees who deny that there is a resurrection came to Jesus and asked him, saying, Teacher, Moses wrote to us that if a man's brother dies having a wife and he dies without children, his brother should take his wife and raise up offering for his brother. Now, there were seven brothers and the first took a wife and died without children. And the second took her as wife, and he died childless. Then the third took her, and in like manner the seven also, and they left no children and died. Last of all, the woman died also. Poor woman. Therefore, in the resurrection, and you can hear them snicker, in the resurrection... <laughs> Whose wife does she become? For all seven had her as their wife. The Sadducees had stumped and silenced all the pro-heaven and pro-afterlife opponents with this theological riddle. No one had been able to undo the riddle to answer. Annas and Caiaphas knew that Jesus believed and taught the afterlife. Jesus mentions it, taught about it, many, many times. And so they know that Jesus believes in the afterlife. And if Jesus could not defend His view about afterlife from Moses' writings, the first five books of the law, then Jesus would be considered a heretic, a false teacher worthy of stoning. So literally... This riddle, this theological paradox, was Ananias and Caiaphas' ace in the hole. We got it. This is going to happen. This is their ace in the hole. As stoic as they were, I think that they probably even smirked. The Sadducees think they have Jesus. Caught in the trap. But that's when Jesus stands up and schools them from the Scriptures. Watch this. Jesus answered and said to them, The sons of this age marry and are given in marriage. But those who are counted worthy to attain that age and the resurrection from the dead neither marry nor are given in marriage, nor can they die anymore. For they are equal to the angels and are sons of God, being sons of the resurrection. 
But even Moses showed in the burning bush passage that the dead are raised when he called the Lord the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. For he is not the God of the dead, but of the living. For all live to him. Then some of the scribes answered and said, Teacher, you have spoken well. But after that, they dared not question him anymore. So the Sadducees, the Sadducees think they've got Jesus in this hypothetical paradox and no one has been able to answer ever before, proving afterlife from the first five books of the law. And so, you know, they basically have brought him this terrible story, a hypothetical about these brothers, and they're trying to ask Jesus to answer it. And Jesus answered this about the afterlife. He said, you Sadducees are making assumptions. Heaven or the afterlife is not a continuation of this life. There is no marriage in heaven. Why do some of you look so relieved? You remind me of that story I came across. It was a dietitian who was giving a nutritional class to a large audience. The material, he said, that we put in our bodies should have killed us years ago. Red meat is hard to digest. So does erode your stomach lining. Chinese food is loaded with MSG. But the dietitian said, but there's one thing that you have eaten or will eat that is the most dangerous of all. It's the one food that is responsible for the majority of pain and suffering. And so he asked, does anybody know what that particular food is? The man in the front row said, wedding cake? Cynical. Everybody said, what? Cynical. That's just cynical. So for those of you that have that kind of cynicism, there's no marriage in heaven. Jesus said we will be like the angels. Say that out loud. There will be what? In the afterlife, heaven is not a continuation of this life. Things are going to be different. We are going to be like the angels. Not angels, like angels, in the sense of bodies. Our bodies will be different. In heaven, we will have bodies that aren't so high maintenance. Bodies that don't need sleep, food, deodorant, wrinkle cream, yervita de la negrita, smooth move tea. You don't need any of that up there. <laughs> And then Jesus did what no one else had done before. He defended afterlife from Moses' writings. Jesus quoted Exodus 3.6, where Moses said, He is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Not He was, because they're past tense. Moses didn't say, He was the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. No, no, He said, he is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, present tense, meaning that they're not just dead and gone, they are with the Lord. Jesus' life changed history. When he came to earth, everything people knew shifted, and a new way of interacting with God began. Jesus shows you how to live, how to love, and how to devote yourself fully to sharing the truth of God's Word. 
As you continue to discover the details of your incredible Savior's life, we pray you long to be more like Him. Seek Him in all you do and let Him change your heart to be more like His. We're so glad that you tuned in today for Pastor Dion's teaching in the book of Luke. We'd like to encourage you to spend even more time studying the Word, learning about Jesus' life in this and the other Gospel books. Ask the Holy Spirit to accompany you as you read and point out the passages that He knows your heart needs to hear. We'd love to pray for you during this series as well, so please let us know how we can specifically be lifting you up to the Lord. Give us a call at 505-753-4363. That's 505-753-4363. Do you live in the Española area? If so, come visit us at Truth Ministries Calvary Chapel on Sundays and Wednesdays for a time of worship, Bible study, and fellowship. Find out more and get directions to the church by visiting tmcalvary.com. If you can't make it in person, we invite you to join us virtually through Facebook, where we live stream all of our services. Just follow the link to Facebook that you'll find at tmcalvary.com. Thanks for tuning in today, and join us again next time right here on The Simple Truth. for you as you work in us. May your power show in the deeds we sow. Let us join our hands and together we stand. Together we